Hello and welcome. Thank you all for joining us this week. I'll put a timestamp on this one, Brent. It's, uh, it's about 12 noon Eastern, February 24th, 2022. You've got to put a timestamp these days because it seems like the situation is ever evolving, especially as we're talking about the Ukraine-Russia story. Overnight, you know, Russia went to the kinetic side of the warfare. And so I think that's a situation that most of us didn't anticipate, at least I didn't anticipate it. So we've been doing some writing and thinking about this. And Brent, I want to let you chat a little bit about some thoughts that you had with respect to this. Well, I thought it was worthwhile to just take a little bit of a step back and look at some of the facts as we know them in terms of you know, just the amount of production and and other things that go on in these two countries, as opposed to worrying about, you know, the politics of all of it and the trying to predict what's going to happen, because I think that's proven to be very difficult for anybody. And so we just wrote a little bit of an article about looking at one kind of laying out the facts of, you know, the economic situation there, Russia being the sixth largest economy in the world, which is big. Now, keep in mind, it's probably somewhere around a $4 trillion economy in the United States is in excess of 20. So not nearly as big as we are, but nonetheless, very, very large in the grand scheme of things. And So when you start talking about an economy of that size kind of being cut off from the world in terms of economics, which one would probably expect to happen here shortly with the sanctions, it's going to have a lot of impacts. And uh, the biggest one, obviously, is in the energy markets where uh, Russia is a major energy producer and exporter. As we shift then to agriculture, the Two main commodities uh, would be corn being the first one. And and in corn, if you look at the global share of global production that comes out of Russia and the UK combined, it's a little bit less than 5% of total global production, which on its face, you know, anytime we're talking about commodity market with inelastic supply and demand, that kind of supply is, it's non-trivial. But more importantly, I think the bigger thing is the amount of exports. And Ukraine uh, has been a very large exporter of corn in recent times. So I believe somewhere around like uh, 15% of global corn exports. So this is wheat, I think, on the screen. Um, Actually, I think the Maybe. chart's just mislabeled, Brent. I got to fix that. But yeah, it's... Oh, is it, this is is the it mislabeled? Yeah. Okay. So the idea here being that... 80% much- of the Ukraine corn production is exported. So, you know, contrast that. United States, about 16%. So most of their production ends up going outside of the country. And uh, combined, they're at about 50% of global corn exports, 16% of global corn exports, which is a lot. Uh, so that's part of the reason corn market's reacting. But where it gets really important is on the wheat side. And on wheat, it's not so much the Ukraine, it's uh, Russia. So Russia is about 10% of global wheat production, which makes it one of the bigger wheat producers in the world. Ukraine is a little bit smaller, but More importantly, uh, those two countries combine for about 30% of global wheat exports. And that's why you're seeing 
the wheat market's locked uh, limit up because that's a lot of the global exportable wheat that comes out of those two countries. The other thing I think is important to understand is that Russia is a major fertilizer producer, particularly for nitrogen and potash, phosphates to a lesser extent, but important there as well. Um, We will have to see what all the sanctions are, but one can't think that it's going to lead to anything but higher fertilizer prices going forward. So those are the kind of facts as we know them. I think right, building off that idea is energy, of course, is a huge part of this equation. Um, not necessarily uh, something that we follow and track a lot, but it's an important consideration, especially in Europe, but also energy markets around the world. One of the things that I've been thinking a little bit about is the sort of the supply shock associated with this event. I guess, how do you think about the disruptions and how long these might last? And so there are going to be growing season disruptions, probably likely in Ukraine from literally crops being destroyed versus not having the resources or the, I guess, focus to get the next crop planted for corn going into that. But then there's also the sanctions. And it's one thing to sort of think about like, okay, we're going to isolate the Russian economy and, and what are the impacts if we do that? But these sanctions probably aren't going to be 100% effective. You know, Russia is still going to be exporting goods uh, and wheat and especially and probably some energy to other parts of the world. But, you know, we talked about this from the trade war. Those don't transfer on a one-to-one basis. Those aren't, it's still going to result in higher in prices for consumers. It's probably going to impact the price that growers in these parts of the world receive. Uh, and so it's going to be disruptive in a lot of different ways. And so one of the ideas here that we hope that this captures is you have to slice the data in a lot of different ways. And so if you just look at share of global production, you're going to get a very different conclusion than share of global trade. And so we have to think about what's sort of the implications and what's the long run trends that we need to keep our eyes on. And I think right now it's the sanctions. Those are the biggest unknown. Um, There's haven't really been announced yet. And then the trickle down or trickle up impacts of how those sanctions start to play out once they're announced and implemented. You know, sometimes sanctions are kind of, I guess some of these sanctions go all the way back to 2014 when Russia Mm -hmm. uh, annexed Crimea. And so one of the things that I saw when I was reading, you know, Russia has had some sanctions on some U.S. officials and John McCain, right, got a sanction from Russia. He can't travel to Russia anymore. Um, So some of these are ceremonial, but I think the sanctions that we're seeing talked about now are much more consequential. And I think they're going to try to, you know, contain the Russian economy or cripple it or give us some headwinds, but it, it will have global impacts as well. Yeah. And I think the other thing to remember, so contrast this with the last big global disruption we had, which was the pandemic. In that situation, it was less clear. I mean, we knew it was a supply shock, but it took a while for that to become apparent. There was also demand shock elements of it. This is pretty much a classic supply shock case. And so what it means is that prices are going to have to go up to ration demand. And when you're talking about commodities like energy and like Uh, agricultural goods, typically the price responses have to be substantial to start 
reducing demand. So at the end of the day, though, it's really hard, you know, I think to know how this is all going to play out. And I think the biggest thing is to pay attention, make rational and non-emotional decisions and keep in mind the range of outcomes is potentially very wide from something, you know, this ending quickly to lasting a long time from, you know, not too serious of sanctions to very significant sanctions. So I think all those outcomes are on the table and it's difficult to assign probabilities to any of them. Something else I was thinking about, Brandon, as you wrap this up is, is Russia invading Afghanistan that happened in 1980 that led to this embargo. So we weren't going to send our wheat to the USSR anymore. And of course, a lot of people remember that as an important inflection point or an important part of the path that led to the foreign financial crisis. And so as you step back over those four decades, Russia uh, went from a net buyer of agricultural products and goods, and there were some limits to the embargo. So even grain that we raised in the United States found its way indirectly into Russia, not even through a traditional black market, right? Just trade flows shift and change as a result of that. And now here we are four decades later, and it's a very different situation. Russia is now a net exporter of commodities in the grains and the energy space. And so this will be uh, another interesting uh, situation to play out. But I think some of the implications will still last for several years to come. So with that, we'll wrap up this week's episode and invite you to come back and check out some of our articles and update your forecast. In the meantime, stay curious.